monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan. Some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Hello and welcome back to a fresh hundo, another episode of the Bride of the Creature podcast, featuring me, the creature, Joey G. And joining me, as always, the cutest podcaster in the town, the bride, Nicole. In the, the town? Yeah, the, all through the, the town. town. Yeah, Not that's where town. me and we Willy Winky run. Upstairs, downstairs. Anyway, hello. In our nightgowns. How are you, love? I'm good, how are you? I'm all right. Episode... 101. 101. Like the Dalmatians. Breaking it off. That was a bad joke, sorry. Did you make a joke? <laughs> it's a mom joke. There's a dad, there's dad jokes, sometimes there's mom jokes. There's a mom joke. Oh yeah. Far out, man. Yep. <laughs> yep but there we go. You should see the dirty look I just got. Anyway, welcome into the program. Uh, the program where we watch and discuss uh, scary pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time around, oh, and just if it's your first time listening to the podcast, this is everything you need to know. We watch a movie and we talk about it, but we also recap it in detail. So if you have not seen the movie in question and you wish to remain fresh as a daisy, then uh, stop the podcast now and come back and listen to it after you've watched the movie. And Nicole, it was your pick this month, and what movie is it? Zodiac from 2007. David Fincher's Zodiac, his best film in my opinion. Which I was really excited to watch with you. Aren't you always excited to watch movies with me? Or just this one? You know what, when we got into the Hellraiser series and I was like, I'm not into this. We have so many more to watch, but I did still enjoy watching them with you, honey, like I always do. I like those movies. <laughs> Except for three. Anyway, um, shall we uh, shall we kick things off with a little taste of the trailer? A sous-son of yes, Zodiac, Yes, the trailer is very good. Enjoy. Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek, Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. One do that. I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes. Not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Lana said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing at a gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of boy scout? Eagle scout, actually. First class. Well, I've been thinking. Oh, God, Sam, listen. There's no evidence, Robert. What do you mean there's no evidence? You have him seen with the ciphers, the military blueprints, the bloody knife. All circumstantial. Why do you need to do this? Because nobody else will. Dave, you made a mistake! Get away from the window. Paul, are you okay? No. Why'd you do it? You put your face out there for him to see. Hello? Who is this? 
Zodiac was my job. It is not yours. He's still out there, Dave. Killing is his compulsion. It drives him. It's in his blood. Jeez. What? Squirrels. This is the Zodiac speaking. I have a gun. I can give you a lift to the service station. Do you always go around helping people in the night? I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? Welcome back. Shall we kick things off? Yes. Let's kick it. So first, wait. I want to say, I first watched this movie around when it came out, but it was not in theaters anymore. You saw it in theaters. I did. And I saw it with my family on video. Home video? Probably rented it or something. And I was eating nacho chips while I was watching this movie. I no longer eat nacho chips in horror movies that I haven't seen because there was a jump scare or a loud noise. And as I was taking a bite, I stabbed my gums with the chip and I was bleeding, (laughs) bleeding everywhere. It hurt so bad. Don't eat nacho chips and watch this movie. Thank you for sharing that treasured family memory with us. This, it's a warning more. That reminds me of when we were watching, I think, The Sopranos, and we were eating Kentucky Fried Chicken, and oh. I used my pocket knife to open up the hot, hot sauce, sauce packet. And for some reason, I was like, I need to get the hot sauce off, off this knife before I close the blade. I know. I'll suck it off. Oh, and then I'd I try it, and I just, to... like, cut the inside of my lip. Like, But then also got hot sauce in the in, wound. So, yeah, it was not only was I pouring blood out of this, like, massive cut in my mouth, but I'd also got hot sauce in it. It was not the f- smartest thing I ever did. You did lots of stupid things. It's up there, though. We should we could do a whole other podcast about the stupid things you do. All right. <laughs> May I begin explaining what happens in this movie? Yes, continue with your book report. All right, so this is a little bit more uh, scattershot, because it's not as... The movie jumps around quite a bit, so it's not as easy to just recap. But we'll do my best. It we was, will do um, my best. It's like very dense. It's very dialogue dense. It's a really good movie. movie. You have to really pay attention. But we kick things off on. with young, period-appropriate teenagers going parking to, you know, make out. Uh, this girl is way too hot for this little dweeb. Even with braces, she's way out of his league. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, I, I think I said that. Yeah, Fate agrees with me as a man drives up uh, with a silenced pistol and murderizes them while that Donovan song Hurdy Gurdy Man plays. Good shit. He kills her too. Yeah, he only kills her actually. He uh, yeah, actually. Yeah, the guy doesn't the... die. In fact, I was reading that... Um, I don't know if I was actually reading this, but I heard this. If you look at the movie, the only murders we actually see reenacted are ones where somebody survived. No, we don't, we yeah, do. we don't see a... driver. But we don't see that one happen. We see it, like, way outside. All the other ones that we actually get, like, a close-up view of are ones where there was somebody who survived to tell us about it. Interesting. Yeah. Because hmm. all the other murders either happen off-screen or we just hear... there was a reason why, or...? I don't know. I just... I don't even know if I read it. It's just either... It's either something I thought of or something I heard. We may never know. Four weeks later, Jake Gyllenhaal is a character named um, Robert. Robert Graysmith. Yes, who also wrote the book upon which the film is based. Yes. Uh, Robert Graysmith works at the San Francisco Chronicle, and a murderer sends a letter describing the murder scene, uh, which we saw in the cold open. And He's, also a cryptic message Yes, he as sends well. a cipher. Is it called a cipher? Yeah. I never knew that. Well, he, you should, because he says, like, here's the cipher. 
solve my cipher and put it on the front page of the paper. Mm. Pay attention to the movie, Nicole. It's so hard. <laughs> he instructs the paper to print it or he'll go on another murder spree. So Robert Downey Jr.'s character, whose name escapes me, because I, I just wrote it down as R.D.J. It's Paul Avery. Thank you, Paul Avery. He, um... Who was a real reporter at the Chronicle. Yes. And he learns from... What? what? Can you not read your writing again? Not really. Something about Elias Coteus. He learns from Elias Officer Elias Coteus, that makes more sense, that the letter is legit, as the 5-0 also received a letter. And so Robert is working uh, as an editorial cartoonist, but he clearly wants to work with Paul Avery as a reporter because he's very fascinated by this case. Because he can um, depict the... What did you just say? Well, that's later when he actually draws the... Because that's after the second murder. No, I mean, he figures out the code. He can. He doesn't figure it out. It. He, he figures it out. He f he, he doesn't figure... No, the, the old couple figures... Let me continue. Yes, but then he goes into it further. Yes, I know, but that's later. But You're jumping like ahead by an hour why, in the movie. But I think that's why he's interested in the... Because he likes puzzles, he says. Yeah, but he was... Okay, anyway. After publishing the cipher, uh, the message is decoded by an old couple, not by Robert Graysmith. And Robert Graysmith yeah, and Paul Avery are on the case, and the killer has named himself... Zodiac. Zodiac. Like the watch. Months later, <clears throat> uh, this movie jumps forward in time a lot. Months later, a couple are laying outside in the woods when they are approached by a masked man with a gun. This one was really upsetting for who me. Who ties them up and murderizes them with a big old knife. What a jerk. Yeah, this one, like, just was, it's in broad daylight and she is watching this guy walk up to them and she's saying to her boyfriend that this is happening and he's saying it's fine and she's like he ducked behind a tree and then he and comes like, back yeah. out with a bag over his head and he has a gun it's yeah. just the whole build up to it is so terrifying yeah i mean i it, i think it's extremely well done I, yes. I will say that there's not a single moment in this movie that i was frightened or tense you said the basement scene yeah but i wasn't i mean why maybe when I, when I first saw it yes but this time no but it was i was mesmerized by how well it was made um i also watched a clip with the the, the real life person that the the man the guy who survived who survived and he, he talked, survived and she didn't correct and he was talking about um watching that scene and saying how like he got it incredibly well that's exactly how he remembers it but he also says the reason wow. that the girl survived didn't survive and he did is because the Zodiac killed him first because she had, like saw him and was like rolling to get away from it and so he just stabbed him in the back a few times and but so he was mostly covering his major stuff right but so you see her and she kind of moves around and right. like rolls out of her side so had she had she been killed first he probably wouldn't survive really because they in the movie when the cops they all say that he was more focused on the females in these killings anyway that's their theory right that but was they their don't theory. actually necessarily like again they say a ton of stuff in this movie because they never really figure much out really they like, have you know they're going on they're doing their best but they don't have a ton <clears throat> wow that's yeah. that's crazy anyway i just thought that was kind of an interesting little thing uh months later we did that uh, very cool night driving sequence, which was like shot from above while this talk radio thing is going on with the Zodiac, which ends with the cab driver listening to the talk radio getting shot. 
right. by the Zodiac, and then he writes on the side of the car. But that whole thing, the way he like shot it from above. And then here's another interesting thing I watched in a like a making of thing. All the backgrounds in that scene, like in the night sky and all that in the city, those are digital matte paintings. Mm-hmm. So they were on a green screen that whole scene. I never fucking picked that up when no, I watched it. At it was all. very it's really well, well done. done. I mean, I can be very grumpy and picky about like digital. Digital. Well, not just digital, but like CGI and stuff in movies. But right. David Fincher does it better than almost anybody. Well, it's like used in the proper way. Yeah. Well, and he also like shoots on digital, but he doesn't make it look like it's digital. Yeah, it he, totally looked like yeah. they were outside. He's really, really good. Um, Mark Ruffalo. Is Dave is, T- Tosky or... T- uh, something like that. I have him. I was writing... So I, I, I wrote them down as Mark Ruffalo, which is probably part of why you were. I was confused occasionally when you were asking me questions about the plot. Because I didn't I have the characters' names. Because this is... Like, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of um, people involved with the case and a lot of connections that they make to... To try to interview yeah. people to try to solve this case, so to try to There's make a lot of characters to try to keep all the connections clear, it's it's very difficult. And because to it jumps around in time so much, like it never yes. goes back, but it jumps forward a lot. So you're just like, when is this? Okay. Anyway, Mark Ruffalo plays a homicide detective investigating the scene of this cabbie murder. He looks like Columbo. If they ever reboot Columbo, he would make a good Columbo. They should make a new Columbo as with Mark as you Ruffalo. Said that, I was like, oh my god, yeah, he totally be, would. He looked. He had the same trench coat as Columbo in this scene. So Zodiac sends a new letter threatening to shoot up a school bus, and uh, Robert opts to drive his kid to school that day. That was a good scene, actually. He's about to get on the bus, and he's like, you know what? I'm, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive you. Um, also, in the background, um, in their house, Paul uh, Robert has a poster for uh, the beast from 20,000 Fathoms in his house. Um, it's not important, like but... It's like a side note. I like, that um, I like that poster. David Fincher says that one of his first... Um, like ever things about hearing about true crime or anything like that was when he was a kid he was on a school bus and when he got home he asked his dad why there were um like lots of there were a lot of helicopters following school buses a lot of vehicles following the school buses and he noticed and asked his dad why and his dad just plainly told him oh the a guy threatened to um shoot out the tires and then shoot everyone who got off the bus and he was like his little yeah. Boy brain is broken. Well, I guess when they sent the screenplay to him, it was sort of like they didn't think he'd want to do it because he'd already made seven. And so they were like, well, I'll send it to him. But, like, so David Fincher's not going to want to make another serial killer movie. Right. And then he got the script and was like, I remember this because I grew up in this city and I remember when this was happening when I was a kid. Fuck yeah, I'll make this movie. Yeah, and he, him, job the screenwriter and producer, spent 18 months um, doing their own research on oh, yeah. Zodiac. So they interviewed the witnesses, family members yeah. of suspects, retired and, and current investigators, um, the 12 surviving victims, and the mayor of San Francisco at the time. Well, and, like, and Fincher is such a, like, exacting and, like, fussy filmmaker about perfection. Like, he's kind of like Kubrick in that way. So he'll do 60, 70 takes of stuff. He'll do shit like they're going to helicopter in a tree so that they could shoot this scene at the same place that the murder happened on the hill that yeah. looked just like it, but with the right trees because the trees were different now. So they really? like helicoptered in a fucking tree. Wow. Yeah. I think like the amount of research shows oh, in this shows. movie. This movie was almost more like, like almost like a documentary of yeah. what actually happened. So um, some San Francisco police department idiots come and tell Mark Ruffalo that... Uh, Oh, and by the way, Mark Ruffalo's partner in this movie is Goose from Top Gun. Anyway, they uh, they see Zodiac. They had seen Zodiac after the cab murder, but they didn't stop him because he was white. So much has changed. <laughs> we then get a really cool montage of uh, Paul Avery and 
Robert Graysmith and Mark Ruffalo and Goose from Top Gun talking about the case and how Zodiac is breaking his own pattern. Because everyone else has been a couple up until now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the 5-0 bring Brian Cox onto a TV show. Brian Cox is like a psychologist. And they want to get Zodiac to phone in so they can try to keep him on the line and figure out where he is. Uh, The man who phones and talks about how he has headaches and he plans to meet with uh, Brian Cox in person. The 5-0 scramble. Uh, They're pretty sure the man who called wasn't the real Zodiac, but it was worth a try. Yeah. It wasn't him. Robert Downey Jr. The thing with the headaches didn't sound like... Because it wasn't really him. Right, with what the letters had been sending and stuff. So, uh, Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith drink Aqua Velvas in a bar and discuss the case. And that's when he realizes that, uh, you know, this Robert Graysmith guy is actually pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's that great scene where because he's got this blue drink, he's like, "All right, we can't. This is going it's on. Like we have to park on this." It's got an umbrella. What on earth is that? It's an umbrella with a cherry. Yeah, it's an aqua velva. If you had, it, you wouldn't make fun of it. it. So he takes a sip and then it cuts to them at the table with like four empty glasses with on all it. umbrellas in them. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is so good in this movie. He's so good. This might like motherfucking Iron Man. This is the best Robert Downey Jr. I also like him in um, uh, that uh, Scanner Darkly. Was that other one that's a Christmas movie? You said it should oh, be kiss, the kiss, new... Oh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah. yeah you said it should that. be the new um, Yeah, people shouldn't say Die Hard is their favorite Christmas movie. They should say Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is their favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> um, hey, Mark Ruffalo is married to June Diane Raphael in this movie. Isn't that great? We love her. I'm a big fan of June. Yeah, so am I. Mark Ruffalo and Goose from Top Gun go to see Brian Cox again, and um, who still believes that Zodiac is sending a cry for help. Because... Dumb psychologists always think that serial killers are looking for a cry for help instead of just being fucked. Oh, yeah, it's a cry for help. No, it's a cry for attention, but okay. Yeah, like, obviously with all the letters and everything, it's just for attention. Uh, so then we get... This scene was actually great. This might have been the scene that had some tension for me. And I don't say I didn't feel tension to dish this the movie, because the movie's a masterpiece. More just because I've seen it once and, I don't know, I just wasn't scared. But this scene was great. Uh, so I forget the actress's name, but she played Anne's mom on Arrested Development. Oh, right. Oh, gosh, yeah. I remember she uh, she gets pulled over, but she can't really see the fellow what pulls her over and offers to tighten her lug nuts. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, tighten away. So she starts to drive away and fuck off, falls the fucking wheel. It's almost like someone loosened the lug nuts, yeah, but was, she's an idiot who so... doesn't put two and two together. Uh, she, he was betrayed her. So then she goes, okay, yeah, I'll get a ride with you to the gas station. With the fella who, uh, he appears somewhat dismayed because she's got a baby. Yeah, he didn't know she had a baby. Yeah, and then he says, you know, before he kills her, he's going to throw the baby out the window. Oh, that's I, I was, like, literally, like, this is based on real life. I didn't, I didn't know the case very well, so I thought, oh my god, this is yeah. going to end in tears for me. <laughs> like, so, we cut to she's escaped, and, like, and I said, oh, by the way, if this was hereditary, we'd have seen the baby spiked like a football onto the field. Like, you would have had a close-up of this baby's head shattering, because that's... But that's not what happened. No, I know. I'm just saying that if this was made by... If this was hereditary. All right. The movie sucks, and you're all stupid for liking it. Um, Paul Avery... Oh, so what ended up happening was really cool. Um, This other woman pulls over, and there's a guy at the trucker, and this woman is distraught, saying how he was going to do all this stuff. And they're like, where's your baby? And she looks into the ditch, and we're like, oh, no. Yeah, But then she goes over there, and the baby was just... She's like, she she hid him. Yeah, because she hid the baby in the bushes in case he came back. Oh, it was so chilling. And it's like, you know what? I normally hate children in peril. I find that really annoying and manipulative. But that scene was great, and it was just played perfectly. And, like, it wasn't And it actually happened. Yeah, but it wasn't played, like... 
in an, an offensive, stupid true crime way where it's like, you know how fucked up that is? It was just like a really good dramatic scene that wasn't played to try to make you feel sick or anything. No. It was not done. It was tastefully done. Um, yeah. So, uh, betrayal, blah, blah, blah. Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith discuss how Zodiac has begun taking credit for murders that they know he couldn't have committed. So they now are like... So we have proof. We know for a fact that a lot of these murders he's taking credit for, he could not have done. We had like the for, like the person we know did this crime was already in custody before Zodiac took credit for this one. So like clearly Zodiac is all about the attention. Yeah. And he's taking credit for all kinds of stuff. Um, Zodiac sends a bloody shirt and another letter to Paul Avery, who wants a gun. He starts to like get freaked out because now Zodiac is targeting him, him particularly. They go to the shooting range, and Paul Avery is practicing shooting, and he can actually shoot a gun, which made me very happy, because I hate watching picky. actors in movies who've never shot a fucking gun. You're very picky And then the, the funny thing is, this one would have been fine, because it's like, well, he's, he's not learning. a police officer. He's learning, so it would have been okay for him to have been shooting it poorly, but he actually was just shooting it like a proper gun, instead of going, yeah, yeah. I hate, especially when spies do it in movies. I'm like, well, you didn't even come close to it. Anyway, it just infuriates me. It's like when you get mad at riding horses in movies. I don't. You used to. When people, that person doesn't know how to ride a horse. You used to always bring it up. Oh. I was trying to be annoying like you, I guess. So, pa <laughs> so Paul Avery goes to meet an anonymous tipster. Tipster? Yeah, like tipster. a trickster. No, a tipster. Tipster. And Paul, not Paul, Robert, goes on a date with Chloe Savigny. Who then points out that that seems stupid and irresponsible for Paul Avery to go by himself like that. And he was like, yeah. And Robert's just like, huh. <laughs> I'm going to make a phone call. Yeah, that does suck. So she ends up like going back with him to uh, his apartment to like hang out and wait because he's worried about his friend. Yeah. And it's the begin. This should have been a warning sign for her. She should have been like, "You're an obsessive person who's not going to pay attention to you, to my, to, to me and our future family because you're obsessed with this case." Let's get married. Uh, Paul Avery has found evidence of a murder back in 1966 that he believes is a Zodiac murder, uh, which enrages the San Francisco Police Department as it might not be a, a Zodiac murder, and now they've been once again inundated with renewed wingnut interest, uh, making it even harder to, to, to uh, track down the real Zodiac, because they're now getting thousands of people calling in with ridiculous, unhelpful... Unhelpful tips. Yet another new tip comes in. Uh, so Mark Ruffalo and Goose from Top Gun go to see... This is JCL. Oh, John Carroll Lynch, who they have reason to believe. Seems like he might be a, a good fit for the Zodiac. This this guy, he fits a lot of the evidence we have. Checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. He's a pederast, Walter. Uh, and he made some statements to a, person, a friend that sounds an awful lot like the kind of things that Zodiac says. But, uh, you know, he informs him, I've already gone over all this with the other officer from Vallejo. He's so good. Who is that actor? That's John Carroll Lynch. And I'm like, yeah, he's fucking brilliant in this movie. Let's take a moment and acknowledge what a masterpiece this movie is and how good John Carroll Lynch is in it. Yes. John Carroll Lynch was also Drew Carey's brother of a Drew Carey show who married Mimi. I never watched the Drew Carey and show. <laughs> he's married to Margie in Fargo. Gotta have breakfast, Margie. You is know, he really? You know, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, he's like her sweet husband. In real life? No, in the movie. Fargo. No, in, in real life, she's married to um, oh, one of the Coen brothers. Francis I McDormand did not know is married that. to. Uh, what? I don't remember which one. One, one, one of the Coen brothers. Cool. Yeah. So, anyway, they have a handwriting sample guy uh, who's another awesome actor, but I'm blanking on his name right now. Google it. Um, which one? This is great radio. Him. Philip Baker Hall. Thank you. Yeah, Philip Baker Hall plays a handwriting expert, uh, but he says, no. John Carroll Lynch isn't the guy. Can't be me. 
So they say, well, it might be him, but he doesn't really think it is. So get me a sample of his other hand. They get a warrant to toss this guy's house or to try and get a right-handed sample. They can't get a warrant because this guy won't give them just the, the, doesn't the, think enough the justification to get the judge to give them the warrant. So they're kind of stuck. And then we get a cool time lapse of a building being constructed to show the passage of time. And in the in the intervening yes, time, loved that. I did love that. Paul Avery is now a mess. He's just staggering around. He's fucked. It's Alcoholic. Alcoholic. Clearly Drugs. got some problems. Uh, Mark Ruffalo and Goose from Top Gun managed to finally get a warrant. Finally, after all this time, and they're able to search John Carroll Lynch's trailer, which is full of squirrels. There's squirrels everywhere. It's really weird. They arrest John Carroll Lynch, whose handwriting, prints, and ballistics all do not match what they're looking for. Mark Ruffalo is devastated. It's a major blow. He really wanted it, thought it was him and wanted it to be him so that this yeah. case would be it. And over. that's what he's saying. He's, like, he's not con- sure if he's disappointed because he wanted it to be him or if he really thought it was him. But yeah. he fits all the evidence except for the handwriting stuff. So the, they're just like, well, we got to let him go. Time warp. Robert Downey Jr., <clears throat> Paul Avery, that is, has, is no longer working at the paper. And Goose from Tomp Gun has applied to transfer. Mark Ruffalo is disappointed but a supportive friend. Uh, Robert Graysmith gets an idea and goes to see Paul Avery on his cool houseboat. Yeah, and he's like, someone should write a book. It should be you. You should write about the Zodiac. And then all the pieces would come together. And Paul Avery's like, fuck off. I don't need you to save me. Uh Yeah. Paul Avery, uh, yeah, clearly this case destroyed him. And he just wants to be, wash his hands of it. He was on this weird houseboat. His boat. Mark Ruffalo subtly... Inform tells uh, oh, yeah, Robert Smith that, that he should. He said, I can't give you any information, and I definitely can't tell you to go see Ken Narlow in Napa about this theory. Yeah, it was pretty. So he good. goes to see Ken Narlow, who uh, sends him to go see Elias Coteus in Vallejo, who lets him look at all the records unofficially, and he can't write anything down. And then I missed a bunch because I said I got way into the movie here. Sorry, so I missed some stuff. Uh, but Robert Graysmith did a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, in 1978, a new Zodiac letter came in, but now a columnist. The new columnist reckons that Mark Ruffalo wrote the letter, but that's bullshit. But Mark Ruffalo gets kicked out of the homicide department, and uh, yeah, so circumstances conspired <clears throat> to make uh, Mark Ruffalo <coughs> kind upset. of ruin his career. Yeah, yeah. It's now 1979. Robert Graysmith goes to see Bob Vaughn, who was another person that he has begun to develop a suspicion in. That Bob Vaughn knew a guy that they think might be the Zodiac. Right. Uh, and it had to do with the ri- the writing on like a movie poster. This is where I got and, confused. <clears throat> it was like yeah. a lot of people involved. In and the, some of the stuff maybe. that Zodiac had said reminded them of the book slash movie, the, the Most Dangerous Game. And there was a movie poster playing at a right. theater around the right time that had the handwriting that looked similar. And so they thought maybe the guy. So he go, tracks down Robert Vaughn to say, you know, the guy who drew the poster for you. And uh, Bob Vaughn just says, no, I draw all the posters and that's when like you get the chills because you're like he yeah. could be sitting in it's the like, house of the person who may be a killer let's go down and find the records for when this but movie it just happened also shows when and he's like wait not many people in california have basements i do yeah but this is a brilliant sequence but also just shows <clears throat> grace smith's um fracturing psyche yeah he's just so in it he's so deep in it that he's no longer following like even later on one of the other cops that he talks to it just says hey you need to follow the evidence. You're getting off into the weeds. Forget this Bob Vaughn shit. 
Pay attention to the actual physical evidence that you have. That's how you're going to catch theories. this guy. Not your pet theories, not your ideas. Yeah, which is what leads into Robert Vaughn, which is what makes him think he's in, locked in this house with the Zodiac, even though none of the evidence points at this guy. It's just his kooky theory. Yeah. It's a it's great scene. It's a very sequence. tense scene. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, he leaves, but now he's hella obsessed with this case, and Chloe Savigny done left him and took the kids. Yeah, there's a really great scene when she comes back because he hasn't returned any of her calls and she was worried about him. And it's their house that oh, yeah, she left. It's just, there's just papers all over the wall. It's like a total murder r- room. Yeah. Like boxes everywhere. And he's still, as she's talking, he's still going through everything. He hasn't mm-hmm. even, doesn't even stop to look at her. He's still so in it. Yeah. But she brings him some more help. She actually gives him some yes. evidence that she got. For, I forget where she got it, but she got it yeah. for him. So she still loves him, but yeah, it's clear that they broke up for a reason. Well, also, like, <clears throat> they were getting strange calls in the middle of the night, just mm-hmm. heavy breathing. Yeah. And they already know that he, that Zodiac targets people <coughs> interested in the case, like Paul Avery and yeah. people. They have kids. What is she to do? What was she to do, Your Honor? I would leave. Well, I'm not Take obsessed with kids. murderers. You're the one obsessed with fucking murderers. <laughs> I don't. I don't have. I'm not crazy murder room yet. So this is this part where like one of the threads that he followed involved uh, a woman who's in prison whose sister was one of the murder victims, the '66 murder victim. Yeah. And she had come to the party with some guy who she was clearly afraid of and had like shown up, and so they're trying to figure out if the guy that she came with could have been. So he goes to see the victim's sister who's in jail for other reasons. And anyway, um, they're talking and he's convinced that Rick is the killer who is the guy that Bob Vaughn was... Bon, bon he's new, trying to and he's her. trying to basically just, just say it. Just, just say, say it's, it's him. Rick. It's, it's not Rick. And she's like, it no, isn't it's Rick. Not and finally, Rick. she goes, "It was Lee, which was the name of John Carroll Lynch's character Arthur way Lee. back in the day." Yeah. So Paul Gray, Paul uh, goes back to Mark Ruffalo in the middle of the night. He says the magic words, "Arthur Lee Allen," and he's like, "How'd you get that name?" So basically, at this point, uh, Mark Ruffalo and Paul, or not Paul, again, Robert, are all but convinced that John Carroll Lynch is their man, but they just can't a hundred percent prove it. Mark Ruffalo encourages him to just finish writing his book. We now shoot forward again to 1983. The book has come out. And um, at one point, Chloe Savigny had asked Robert, like, what... the book came out in 86, honey. Sorry, yes. The book hasn't come out yet. But he's he's finishing the book. He is all but positive he knows who the killer is. Um, His wife had asked him at one point, when will this be over? Like, what do you need to do? He says he needs to look in his eyes and know that he was the know he has the right guy. Yeah. So we cut to this scene in '83. He goes to a hardware store, and Arthur Lee Allen is working behind the counter, and he just like looks him in the eye. And he knows. And le- and he knows, and he leaves. We then cut to 1991, and the nerd with the braces from the beginning is now grown up, and he's the guy who was on. Um, he's in some episodes of. It's always sunny. Yes. He's a good good actor. Uh, but he identifies... He, he, they give him a list of photos and he picks out John Carroll Lynch's char- face. But uh, unfortunately, John Carroll Lynch's character uh, dies before the case can be closed, before he could be arrested, and they could finally prove it definitively with um, whatever physical evidence they have. And Hurdy Gurdy Man plays over the epilogue where they say what happened next, which is basically... The case will always be open, but they pretty much know who it was. Yeah, Robert Graysmith's book is a bestseller. Yeah. Uh, All the evidence suggests it was Arthur Lee Allen, but they'll never really be able to tell because Arthur Lee was buried before they could pin it, before they could uh, put him away. Yep. And that's the end of that movie. So now I want to read the book, even though I'm sure it's all just in the movie what we watched, but... I would just watch the movie again. Yeah, the movie's so good. It's an excellent movie. And when I first watched it... At the time, I also had 
trouble paying attention to dialogue heavy movies. You were young. I would also like if I zoned out for even a, like a minute or a couple seconds and I'd, I'd be like, oh crap, now I don't know what they're talking about. And this is a movie you have you to pay, pay attention. attention to. Because there's a lot of evidence. But I also remember I didn't, I don't think I liked the movie at the time because it, I felt like it didn't have an ending. You didn't get arrested. Did. But watching it now and doing the yeah. whole looking him in the eyes thing, it does have it's an ending. ending. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is amazing in this movie. He's very good in this movie. Yeah, he plays the like kind of scout boy. Boys, know, yeah. Boy Eagle scout, scout, actually. Yeah, and in this innocent kind of way. And then yeah. and how his character does the dissolves into this yeah. obsessive person is just he's a really amazing it's actor. a very good performance uh I, I again i would just shout out how fucking good robert downey jr is in this how good mark ruffalo is in this how good goose from top gun Chloe was Savini in this is, Savini really is really good isn't it Savigny? Savigny? i have no idea i've i've only ever heard it seen it I've never heard someone say it. Oh. Only time I've ever heard it out loud is in the Patton Oswalt bit when he says, gives Chloe Savigny ass teeth. What's that About mean? how they have um, the KFC test kitchen in the Midwest, so they test all their new products out in the Midwest so the, before they sell it in the big markets to make sure it doesn't give Chloe Savigny ass teeth, like teeth for her ass. Like a, What? Yeah, the KFC test kitchen. All the, oh my god, I don't know what you're talking the about. The mega leg. What does this have to do with Chloe Savigny? That's the only time I've heard her name said out loud is in that bit when Patton Oswalt says gives Chloe Savigny ass teeth. Yeah, but I don't know what she has to do with KFC. I don't get no, the No, the bit. point is that they're going to sell the, the, the experimental shit off in the Midwest, in the middle of the country, far away from the important people in New York and Los Angeles. Oh. The, the beautiful people. We have to make sure it's safe for human consumption maybe, so we don't give Chloe Savigny okay. ass teeth. Maybe it makes more sense when, when Patton Oswalt says it. Maybe you should just pay more attention. You need to pay attention to Zodiac and to me, like, <laughs> loosely referencing old Patton Oswalt bits. Gotcha. So as long as we have the list. Yeah. It's a good picture. I'm glad you I'm enjoyed really it. I'm really glad, glad we watched it. it again. It was also fun to watch it. We had the bedroom window open and, like, a thunderstorm happened. And I love when thunderstorms happen when we're watching a horror movie. This was <coughs> so good. I love true crime. Um, and I, and wanna, I hate true crime and I love this yeah, movie. Yeah, and I want to read the book now. I don't. But I would watch the I'll movie again. I'll tell you all about it. That's don't okay. Worry. I've seen the movie. You don't have <laughs> hey, to do if, that. Hey, if I have to listen to you ramble on, you have to what listen to What do I ramble me. on about? Pan Oswald bits. Roll on. <laughs> Now's the time. The time is now. Sing my song. Right. What is our next pick, Joey? Oh, that's right. It's my turn, isn't it? I had a, I had a really hard time picking a movie this time. Did you actually pick one, or are you just I, trying to scramble <clears throat> right now? Uh, I'm I'm like stalling I for time do. because I have a pick, but I just have to bring it up on screen. It's a comedy. Student it's Bodies. A, do you remember that TV show? Yes, I remember that TV show. This is from 1981. It is a horror comedy directed by Michael Ritchie, who directed such films as Fletch, Fletch Lives, The Golden Child. Um, also in Mickey Rose, the other director. It's 1981. It's like a... I think it's like a parody of slasher movies, but it's also a slasher movie. So it's called Student Bodies from 1981, starring Kristen Ritter. It's described as zany. Yeah, it's a zany send-up of teen slasher flicks. Zany. That'll be fun. I like the poster. It's a mm -hmm. girl in her desk, kind of dead without... Dunce cap stuck Dunce in her mouth. Dunce cap in her mouth. It's a great poster. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've wanted to see this for a while. I've been on a Michael Ritchie kick lately. I watched like a bunch of Michael Ritchie movies recently. I have not seen... Oh, I saw Simple Wish! That was the last movie whoosh, he made. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> Bang. Yeah. That's, that's from Simple Wish. I'm betting that's not his best movie. 
What's the island? That looks good. It's, well, we're not watching that one. We're watching <laughs> Student Bodies. So don't worry about it. Okay. So we're going to watch Student Bodies. So we'll be back at the last Friday of September. Uh, and you can join us then. Hey, it, it's school. <clears throat> and then school's back in September. Yeah, that's why I picked it. Uh, so you can join us for that. And so until that time, I am the creature, Joey G. And I'm the bride, Nicole. You all stay scary now. Kissy, kissy. I wish I could play... Oh, I'm going to play Hurdy Gurdy Man over this instead of our usual play closing oh, song. Because that's the song from the Zodiac. Okay.